Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Hello, guys. Welcome back. You know, I love the intro when it goes boom, boom, boom. It makes me so happy every time I hear it. That's what it is. That's why I get so excited to come here and talk today. So it's the intro. That's why you're happy. No, you know, it um, it just brings happiness. I truly love being in the studio with you. I love talking with you. I just love spending time with you. And whenever I hear the intro, it just makes me happy because I, I don't know. I just love it. It's like a little cue. And I think you, you told me that you a couple of our listeners has shared with you that they got they as we are saying in it yeah, together. They say it out loud. I know everybody says in it yeah. together. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. I just think that's cool. I don't know. I just wanted to share that with you. So, yes, I'm, I'm happy today. So you've been on the hot seat for the last couple podcasts. Yes, I have. Does that mean that today you're going to be on the hot seat? I I think that you're. It's only fair that I yeah. be on the hot seat. This, I, I like that. It's just justice, you know, balanced out here. I I think it's important though. You've you've learned a lot about yourself recently, and you know we do our walks every morning where we process with our bilateral stimulation, and we spend time. And you had some big ahas, and we should talk about them. So uh, have we done a podcast on bilateral stimulation? Because I think that's that would be an important podcast to have. We, we have not, but we should. That would be a good idea. Yeah, definitely. So um, for our listeners that don't understand what we're talking about is uh, we normally take a walk in the mornings. That's kind of our routine. I like to walk. I used to walk a lot as a child and we... And that's bilateral stimulation, right? So as you're taking one step in front of, you know, left, right, left, right, you're stimulating your mind to process a lot of things. And that's how we process a lot of our biggest conversations and our big aha moments that happen during our walks in the morning. I I like to uh, do like at least three miles in the morning um, just to clear my head, get ready for the, for the day. And I have our oldest son, walks with me for a couple laps and then Courtney will come out and walk with me for a couple laps and I'll take the dog and like everybody in the neighborhood kind of you know knows me out there and says hi and and they'll you know it'll it'll be funny because they'll 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 comment to me when I'm alone they'll be like oh no wife no son no dog so it's kind of a funny thing it is you know EMDR was developed by Miss um, Shapiro she's actually a psychologist and stuff so yeah we should definitely do a podcast on that because that's where EMDR comes from, bilateral stimulation from walking. And we can attribute that, like uh, we found that out with me, a lot of how I learned to process on my own was because I was constantly walking. I'd walk to school in the mornings and I would always, I would always be walking and living in the city. Uh, you know, you, you just got to, that's how you got around. And, uh, every, you know, I walk every place and, and it was a lot of time that I spent in my thoughts with whatever was troubling me at the time. You know, those were my time, right? I would take a walk and, and I would think and process to myself and th- that carried me on to adulthood, I think. And when, you know, once we started walking, like when I started walking again, it triggered that in me. Like, you know, this is what I used to do as a kid and this is how I coped and this is how... You know, I you had no idea that you were actually it was a form of EMDR. Exactly. And, you know, it was developed. It, it was founded in the 80s. You know, it's a, it's a form of exposure therapy. Bilater- EMDR is exposure therapy. 
That's what it is. And I have the baby in 2014. I have postpartum and I'm not feeling good. And what did you tell me? Get out there and walk. Leave the music behind. Just be there with your thoughts. I thought you were nuts. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just want to listen to my music. But you said, no, be present with your thoughts. So, I mean, you naturally were doing exposure therapy, EMDR, bilateral stimulation, all on your own. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. That's pretty remarkable. But, uh, no, it's, it, you know what? It's I, I'm a big proponent of everything happens for a reason, and the universe gives us what we need, not what we want. So, you know, I, I say this all the time, and, and I truly believe it. I truly believe that everything in our life has happened for a reason, good or bad. And you have to take the good and the bad. And, you know, some of it, again, we're survivors of trauma, so it, it's tough to hear that sometimes, right? It's tough to say, hey, you know, you survived this trauma for, for a reason. But I truly believe that everything good or bad that happens in our life is for a reason. We had to survive our trauma so we can be here talking about them on this podcast, sharing it with you guys to hopefully help you guys in your journey. Absolutely. So let's not deflect any longer. Let's talk about, just kidding, let's talk about what you've realized on, on these walks recently. Like what have our conversations been and what was this, for me, it's a big aha. So. Well, definitely, definitely a big aha for me too, uh, to recognize that. So we have to give them a little bit of backstory though, for them to really understand what we're talking about here. We, and we've addressed this. I'm going to just kind of go over a couple different things. And this is something, if, you listen, if you've been listening to us, our podcast and, and what we talk about, we've, we've talked a little bit about our, our, our different cycles. We all have these cycles, right? Mood cycles that we go through. And, uh, you know, yours obviously are tied, you know, to, we, we've talked about PMDD. Have we done a podcast on PMDD? We've, I think we did. We have not done oh, a podcast no, okay. on PMDD, but it may be helpful. So, you know, during your menstrual cycle, you have some emotional mood swings, as most women do. and But you, you know, obviously are dealing with a lot more and, you know, your traumatic events that happen in your life around that time also add to that. So there's a lot we're dealing with around that time, right? So emotionally, you're a lot more emotional um, around this time. And that's a big trigger for me. And we didn't, you know, I, I become very reactive and we've always attributed my reactivity, obviously, to, to you know, again, past traumas of mine, but I really didn't address them just being reactive. Usually I'm just being reactive to your emotionality, right? And, but, you know, it was during these walks that we really kind of figured it out, or I, at least I figured it out for myself. Yeah. So it's the luteal phase, right? And during that time, there's a lot of hormonal fluctuations and I'm not my, you know, strong-minded self. I struggle. I've got a lot of emotions. I'm very weepy. It's hard for me to understand a lot of concepts and things. I struggle with listening, right? It's just tough. And those things trigger you and that's when you're very reactive or you lash out or you get angry you know and it was just this vicious cycle that we would be stuck in because I felt helpless in that you felt helpless in that and I think what popped up for you the other day as you were walking and as you figured it out was just you were able to make some connections you know I don't want to put you on the hot seat again during you explaining your emotional times but yeah so Safe to say you're again, like I said, you're you're a lot more emotional and I'm I'm a lot more reactive. 
so we started to really delve deep into like why am I so reactive or at least I did at that point you know we were I don't know what the conversation how the conversation was going but at some point I really started to think about you know why I was being so reactive or what had me reactive I knew I was triggered and I said that I said that as much to you I know I was triggered it was a trigger for me but again and, and we've talked about this right we've talked about this on a podcast usually reactivity is a sign that that you're in some type of trigger so you know we we try to unpack it a little bit more and 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 recognize and i and i came to that realization that the biggest source of all my trauma was my mother and she too had these very emotional times you know, I think I believe my mother, like, again, I, she's never been formally diagnosed. She would never go to a doctor to get formally diagnosed. But I know she dealt with depression. I know she dealt with anxiety. And, uh, you, you know, you couple that with the stressors of being a single mom, of, you know, working to to support two, two, uh, two kids, two boys. I know that, that a lot of that got to her. And just like a, any normal woman, obviously, she had, you know, her... Uh, menstrual cycle that that she dealt with on top of that all so so there were a lot of times and you know I'll start to share a little bit about my past so as a child you know my mother was physically abusive to to, to me in particular being the oldest child I was not only was I responsible for myself but I was also responsible for my younger brother and you know ever since I can remember you know I I think one of my my first memories as a child was me and my brother about five years apart. And uh, one of, again, the, the earliest memories I can have, I must have been about five years old. And I was, my mother was doing something in the kitchen and my brother was on the bed and I was watching my little, my, my infant brother. Um, he was probably like one, younger than one, but I was watching like Sesame Street or whatever it is I was, was watching uh, at the time, and I was excited that I learned, you know, you know, the new a new letter or whatever it was. So, you know, uh, so I hop out of bed and, you know, I run to mom to say, hey, you know, look, look what I learned. And my brother falls out of bed. He rolls off the bed and hit and thing. And, you know, my mother obviously panicked, you know, all, you know, you know, why did you leave your brother? Why, you know, you know, anything could have happened. Baby's crying. And I can, again, not to justify what happened here, but I can understand as a parent, the level of stress that could have caused. Right. And, but that's probably the first hard physical abuse that I, that I can remember. And back then my mother had this leather belt that she would she would hit me she would hit us with uh, me in particular and it was just that was you know from then on I I, just, I can't and I, I've shared this with you and I've never shared with this with with our listeners but it was it was a it became a routine thing right and I you know what I'm saying from that age and probably younger but that's that's at least the first memory that I can remember from there on until about 11, and I'll share that story with you guys at a little later time here, but from from then to about 11 years old, it was, it was a, a regular occurrence that I got hit with that belt for one reason or another. And again, you know, it was the early 80s, early 80s, yeah, late 70s, early 80s. 
Well, yeah, I w- it would have been early '80s. So I don't, <laughs> I don't want to divulge too much. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to fifty now. So, um, it, it, it was, it was a different time frame. You know, getting hit was a, was you know, that type of punishment wasn't seen as abusive at that time, and it was just a different time. You know, and that type of punishment wasn't wasn't as frowned upon as it as it should be and it is now obviously um but that's that's how i grew up and it wasn't so much the physical abuse but it was the not knowing when it was going to happen and i think that's that's what it was for me that's really what the trigger was at some point my body started to understand that when i saw my mother agitated in her depressive state, in her anxious state, um, I learned to read those micro-expressions. I learned to read that emotional dysregulation because that's when the physical abuse happened most of the time. And I remember I shared this with Courtney that it was, it, it usually, you know, my mom worked a lot and the weekends obviously were the, the times that she would be home I wouldn't see her very much during the week. In the weekend, it was when we had the most interaction with my mother, me and my brother. And it was that anxiety of waking up Saturday morning, not knowing how she was going to be. And if we were going to, if I was going to get disciplined, you know, with that belt, it, was I going to get the belt that day? You know, and it was almost, it was almost like clockwork. Saturday was, you know, that was it. You know what I'm saying? If, you know, and, and we had this thing, you know, we we're both rambunctious boys and we'd run around the house. And I remember, you know, just we, you know, my mother had this thing where she had all these little knickknacks and these little um, porcelain dolls everywhere. And heaven forbid we, we hit one of those and it, and it fell and broke then I'd run and get the crazy glue. I don't know. If you, and I remember like at, you know, eight, nine years old, gluing together freaking these dolls and knowing that, hey, come the weekend when mom cleans the house, she's going to notice that this thing is broken and I'm going to get I'm going to get another beaten. But we knew I knew that. But it was that. It was. Understanding and being able to read those micro expressions and read the room and read the emotions that caused anxiety for me growing up as a kid. And that was the biggest thing. It's just like waking up and and not knowing what mom I was going to get. Was I going to get the mom that was just ready to kick, you know, beat me with a belt? Or was I going to get the mom that was going to be like, oh, you know, everything's good. We're going to go out for Chinese food. I didn't know. But I did know how to read those expressions, those emotions. And I was a lot more on edge when I knew that she was ready to do that because it was just, you know, any little thing was going to set her off. And that, that was my life. Like again, from up until about even, even past 11, and I'll get into that story in a, a, a little bit later here, but at 11, the physical abuse stopped, the mental abuse continued, the physical abuse stopped at 11. But up until that point, I remember just having that innate fear that anything I did, anything I did wrong could set her off. And that now that brings us to our walk 
and brings us to present day and why I was triggered. And, you know, I actually remember the conversation. If you want me to share, we were walking and we were talking about how this is our time and, you know, we might need to take some space. And I know that I'm, you know, not where I need to be, but I'm working hard, you know, emotionally. And then I kind of said, you know, it's, it, I kind of made it like, you know, it's, it's not just, it's me, it's all of us. And you said, no, it is you. It is your cycle and emotional dysregulation. I know when I'm in my cycle, because you cycle with, you know, your moods and depression. It's not that. And then all of a sudden you said, oh, that's what it is. That was the, you remember now? Yeah, no, okay. you're absolutely right. That was it. You know, and, and so that's what it was for you. It was like, ah, oh, because there's times during my time, which is right now, that I'm, you know, you can see me fighting and working and understanding. It's when I'm not aware or I'm masking what I'm feeling. And typically I do that because I'm afraid of you seeing what I'm going through instead of just saying, hey, I'm aware that I'm a little dysregulated. I'm okay and I'm in control. That communicates to you, okay, she's good. But your mom lacked that. Your mom probably knew she felt out of control, but didn't realize how out of control she was. And that's why she controlled you or the environment. And so when I'm like that, your body's like, <gasps> you know, and you just get very, very reactive. And that's what we were talking about that day. Yeah. And, and all it took for me was to acknowledge that. Right. And once I acknowledged that, that that was the trigger, that was the moment that I was that made me so reactive We've had conversations about personal um, responsibility or accountability, right, of taking accountability for our own things. That's where I needed to understand that, hey, you, you know, you're not my mom. You're not going to hit me with a belt or physic, you know, physically discipline me in any, in any point. But that's where it comes from. That's where that trigger comes from. It has nothing to do with, with what happened back then in the past, but it was that anticipation of what I saw, right? It was the anticipation of reading those micro cues and reading the, that emotionality or that dysregulation, knowing, picking up on that so subconsciously that just threw me into that loop or back into that little kid that had could do nothing, you know, but, but wait until it blew up. Is that why you fix everything? Like, is that why if something breaks in the house, you're always looking to fix it, repair it. You know how people just say, ah, throw it out and replace it, but you put a lot of time and effort to fixing things. I wonder if that's just kind of what you did as a kid. Like, oh shit, I got to fix this porcelain penguin over here. Maybe. Think about I that. I think innately, I think you're right. Maybe that's a part of, you, you stumbled on to something that I didn't really think about up until right now. You're right, because I constantly fix things that's the thing i find things that are broken and i fix them yep and it's usually with some glue or a piece of part that you can find and it looks beautiful like i, I wouldn't even know like you're good at that i'm wondering if that's where that comes from most honey. likely like that's and, and i think innately i've always been that way like again going back to that you know again i was as the as the oldest boy I was expected, my mother expected me to be, you know, the, the man of the house, right? So anytime she bought like a shelving unit or it was it was up to me to put it together. Like she wouldn't even bother. She would just give it to me. And, and again, it's back to that, right? Up until about 11 years old, if I didn't know how to do something, whether she taught me to do it or not, I, I either figured it out or I caught a beating. That's just the way it was, right? So, you know, I innately learned to 
fix things and put things together. And that's, you know, again. That is why, here's another Ahafu, that is why every time the kids can't figure something out or they don't know what they're doing, you get reactive and very upset because your little inner child's like, I had to figure it out on my own. You should learn how to do that. Use your head and figure it out, right? That's where that comes from. That's absolutely right. That's where that comes from. Crazy. That's where that comes. It from. is crazy, yeah, and and not again. And I and I say this because we said I ju- I said that everything I really truly believe that everything happens for a reason, and and I'll say this very candidly: of all the physical abuse that I had as a child, you know, I do remember these one or two instances, obviously that were you know very horrific in my mind, but. You know, for the most part, like I said, I, I caught a beating at least once a once a week. It's it's not so much the physical abuse. It was much more the mental. Like I'm much more triggered by the not knowing than ever any of the any of the actual physical abuse that I that I that I got. It was it was the not knowing when it was going to happen that was much more traumatic to me than than the actual event of getting hit with a bell. And that's that's the reality. And like I said, you know, as as horrible as that, as horrible it is, every like I said, everything happens for a reason. And I'm grateful that I'm not grateful for the beatings that I received. I was gonna say, honey, but I'm grateful. (laughs) Put the unicorn dust away. (laughs) I know, no, but I'm grateful for what it made me into. You know, like I am kind of like the fix it guy, and I pride myself on being able to fix things like and I, t- I tell you all the time there ain't nothing that i can't fix i can fix anything you, you put in front of me you know whether it be mm-hmm. you know physical or, or even mental like i've and this I've is been why able to fix you tinker this I is do. why when your brain is heavy and your heart is heavy and there's a lot going on you tinker because that's what you did and here's the other thing that's my this is why mind. you need a freaking schedule all the time you need to know what everybody's doing what's the plan what's the plan you ask that like nine times a day control you need control you need to know i need to know you're going to be here at this time with this food you're going to be doing this or this or that and that that's the anxiety that comes from as a kid because you didn't know you didn't know what to expect exactly now you can reduce your anxiety by having that so you know the free spirit of let's just go through the day and see how the day ends no that's like a knife we are not doing that we're going to plan from the second we wake up to the second we go to bed and that's how it is that's what you need you need that structure but all of that Everything that you do has come from a very traumatic place. And the craziest thing is, is even standing in front of me, like I can feel, you know, that just thinking about that, just thinking of you as this little kid hopping off the bed. Because I remember where, when, when our kids would come running to us, you know, and you can easily see how a parent be like, oh my God, you know, like you're just panicked and stuff like that, right? But the lack of control like you could maybe yell, take a deep breath and walk away, but to like beat your little kid, you know, that is just crazy. And when I think about that and just think about how animated, you you know, just this little thing that you were. And as an adult, and that's, you know, back to our previous podcast, where we were talking about people with people, right? As a parent, now I can say, I wouldn't have left my child on a bed monitored by another child no crap, exactly right? i wouldn't do that as a parent like what, so i wouldn't even have been in that situation exactly you put yourself in that situation and then you punish the child for just doing what a child does and that should have beat her own ass exactly her you know and that again and that's that's why we sit here and we talk about people or people and we say you know you know what you know 
I deserved as a little kid, I deserved a better parent than I was given in the moment, you know? I didn't deserve what I got at that. But now, now in retrospect, as an adult, as a parent myself, I can say, hey, I, sh- I wouldn't put my, my, my child in that type of situation. And I think for you, the biggest struggle that I have seen for you where your past comes out to haunt you, just like mine comes out to haunt me, is when you're triggered and you're reactive in the things that you say. Because even at your worst, when you've said things that have been tough, right? The first one to call it out or to hate themselves about it is you. You know, you're the first one. And I think you do that and you hate that part about yourself because of what that did to you as a child. You know, and that's, that's tough. Like whenever I think about that, I think about, and that's why, you know, even for me, and you've mentioned things to me too, you know, I don't want my emotional stuff. I don't want my son to uh, go and attract a woman that has some freaking emotional shit because of her hormones and he's trying to fix it. You know what I mean? But the difference is, is that like, I'm working through those things. I acknowledge those things. I talk about those things, you know, but that's the pain. That's the pain. Like I can see it in your eyes. It's just like when you act like your mother, that literally puts you into like a really dark place. And I think that's why you're working so hard on the reactivity is because you want to change that for yourself and for your kids. You know, like you said, you're not a perfect parent. You're not a perfect father. You know, perfect imperfection doesn't exist in an imperfect world. We talk about that all the time. But you're also not just accepting this is just how I am and I had it worse because you could be one of those parents. But you're choosing not to. And that's hard. It's hard because life has taught us that we act a certain way. We react a certain way. This is how it's done. And going against those instincts, that's where the real growth comes from. And I think that's what you've been probably working on the most in recent months is that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I can't accept that for myself. You know, I want to be better. I want to be better, not just for me, but I want my kids to be better than I am. They learn from me. You know, they learn from us. They learn that, hey, my parents didn't accept their flaws, didn't accept themselves. They wanted to be better for us. We need to be better. And that's that's the only thing I can, that's the best I could do as a parent, right, is to teach them that, hey, I'm a human being with flaws but I'm actively working to be better. But you're not justifying it. You're just accepting that I have flaws. I have to do something about it. You're not just like, oh, I'm human. Sorry for my mistakes over here. You're making something of it. And I think bringing it back to these ahas that you've had on the walk, you've been able to manage your reactivity with me and I think with the kids. You know, even though if you're having a tough time, you're over there resetting your nervous system, taking deep breaths, but the reactivity isn't, isn't lashing out and affecting another person. You're learning to manage that storm because you're communicating to your body, hey, that's not what's happening, you know? And that's tough. That's that's hard because every time you are reactive or every time you are triggered, it's the same biochemical processes that were in your body when you were being beat. And that's why you're responding from that very vicious place because you didn't have any control to whoop your mother's butt or to fight her back then because she had all the control. So everything that you felt as a young kid as she was literally violating your little tiny body. That biochemical process that was produced inside of you comes up every single time that you're triggered. And that's why you can go to zero to 60 because you never had the opportunity to get that out. And you're having to have those same neurotransmitters 
again, in your body that you felt then, that feels real yucky. And that's why you push and fight against it because your body does not want to feel that same chemical process. That's what happens with trauma. That's cellular memory. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. For me in particular, I think just the acknowledgement of where the trigger was, and we we talk about this on in our other podcast, that once you acknowledge that, then it lessens it. And I, I felt it. I felt a lot less triggered and reactive to your, you know, to your emotionality this this last uh week or so because of that. Because I've 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 made that connection that, you know, again, this is just a trigger. This is just cellular memory, like you said, of a time that I'm not in anymore. You know, now I have the choice to walk away if I need to walk away, right? I don't have to be in this in the situation and I'm not again, the, the consequences of what I'm seeing in front of me don't really affect me the way they affected me as a child. So um again, just coming to that realization that that's where that coming from that came from has relieved it, you know, like 75, 85%. Does it feel liberating to no longer be a prisoner of your past in that sense though? Like I know you've recognized that, but how does that feel on an emotional level? Like logically you've talked about like what that's done for you, but emotionally what relief, if any, have you felt? I'm sure people are questioning that. I think it, and a trigger and because it's a trigger, I don't think, you know, you're talking about logically. I don't think logically I understood. I knew I was being reactive but I wasn't really, you know, conscious of of how reactive I was. If if you understand what I'm, yeah, no, that makes sense. Because you know, because I'm I'm a logical being at least. I'm, I'm I try to be logical, um, but when when you're triggered, you're just emotionally reacting to the situation. And now that I can logically understand why, then it alleviates that. You know, I can find myself th- that I am truly just in control of my own environment because. Again, nothing is going to harm me within this environment. My reactivity is, is, is like you said, again, the, the cellular memory of not being in control of my physical environment. But now that I can understand that I am in control of my physical environment, that this emotionality isn't going to harm me, then, then it's, it's easier to disconnect from that and not be as easily triggered from it. So again, you know, before before that, I was reacting from an emotional place. And now that I understand, I can logically think my way through the the actual trigger. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad you clarified that, got that off your shoulders and your back. What I can say is that it's freeing. Like I can see I saw a different part of you that I think shocked me. Like, you know, when I was a little dysregulated and you kind of just let me be dysregulated I think my body was like wait a minute what is this but you were completely unaffected by what I was processing talking about dealing with you just kind of let me be there and that made me want to get out of there that much faster because I had so much respect for this man is just allowing me to be me get your shit together get out talk say what you have to do it just felt seen and heard and I felt like I needed to kind of value that presence that you were providing, that safe environment. And, and I could see that in you. So I think that I think that that walk in that moment, you know, me being delusional and being like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not just me. It's all of us. You were like, no, it's you. And once you said that, you were like, oh, it was perfect because you needed that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I definitely needed to vocalize that, I think, because we, we've done this before, right? We've We've been in this time. 
and then we've we're all taking responsibility uh w- you know with our part in you know the having this time at, together as a familial unit right because it affects affects us it affects our kids but yeah like you said i i needed to isolate that and understand that you know i and i logically i knew that i wasn't in my emotional time i wasn't you know chemically there was no um i wasn't dealing with like depression or anxiety at the moment it was just my reactivity towards what i was seeing that was happening with you and that's why you know again i had to point out you know not and again not to blame you for for what was going on you were just trying to say not my crap that's all yeah and that's okay and i i needed to hear nope it is you you know, and that feels bad. I think I didn't want to feel bad. I didn't want to feel bad in that moment that my hormonal cycle can throw off my own home, my whole house, everybody's problems because of you, you know, and it was truth. Yes, it's, that's not it. it. That's yeah, not right, exactly. Courtney. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that, but exactly. it was, I'm the catalyst to that. And I have to understand that, you know, and that's okay. And I'm glad that you were able to say that, you know, that was freeing for you and you deserve to no longer be a prisoner of your past. You have suffered long enough. Well, thank you. We've been on this healing journey for some time and we've learned a lot about each other and ourselves. So I wouldn't say I, I was suffering, but I was definitely, um, you know, was, I, there was still, there's still some journey to you take. You were still affected by it to an extent Absolutely. that you didn't need to be. You didn't exactly. deserve to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and to get back to, you know, what I was sharing earlier about that and something I, I guess I want to, I want to end with in terms of and we've talked, we talk extensively personally about choice, right? And I say this a lot to you that, you know, the choices we make define us and we can choose to be strong and we can choose to be weak. And it's, this is hard for a lot of people to hear. And I know it's going to be hard for a lot of people to hear on our podcast right now. So if you're a listener, you, you're probably going to want to kill me in a minute. But I was just going to say, if you want to punch him in the throat, it's a normal response. But he's right. It is a choice. It is a choice to be weak. It is a choice to be strong. And this is something that we've we've been, you know, we've been dealing with our son. You know, our son is, you know, he's a teenager now and he's going through a lot of different changes within within himself, becoming a young adult. And and something I always tell him is is everything you do is a choice. These are choices that you make. You know, you can choose to be strong or you can choose to be weak. It's still a choice. And it's hard to to hear that, especially uh, us as survivors of trauma. We kind of get locked into, you know, the victim mentality instead of having a survival mentality. And that's a choice. It's you choose to be a survivor, you choose to be a victim. And that's I know it's hard to hear because a lot of us want to say, oh, you know, I was... I, you know, I was victimized and this happened to me, but what you do with that is a choice. So you choose to continue to be a victim or you choose to be a survivor. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll end with, I'll end my recollection of my childhood with, with that. I know we talked about like, you know, what happened between about five and 11 at 11 years old. And this is a a story I shared with my son because my son we were having we were having these conversations and i told him you know you, you got to find there was there was a there was an incident that happened that he really for the first time he found that inner strength within him 
And he said to me, he turned to me and he said, you know, we have, we were having a conversation and um, it was just a situation where he got his fight or flight response got triggered and he chose to fight in that moment. You know, he could have chose to run and hide, but he chose to fight. And it's the first time I think in his young adult life that, or his young, yeah, his young life that he chose that fight response and he held on to that. And he asked me, Hey dad, you know, have you ever had a moment that you can, that, that, you know, that you have to pull from and, and get you to that fight response or, or to hold on to that moment. And at the, at the time I didn't really have a response for him. So I, I said, I don't, I don't think so, son, you know, just my personality, I've, I've always had a much more stronger personality. So I haven't had to, to do that, but I thought about it. And, and then I got back to him and I, and I shared a story with him and that's the same story I'll share with you guys. Uh, and, and that goes back to what we were just talking about from the time that I was about five years old that I shared with you guys where I would get physically, you know, punished up until about 11 years old. So at 11, it was, um, you know, so it was fifth grade. I was going into, you know, it was a sun. It was that, that uh, I remember it was, we we're going into that summer and, you know, at, a, at that, at that age, I remember going through the same process, right? I think it was a weekend or something, or I did something in school that I wasn't supposed to. And I knew it was coming. You know, I know, I knew I had read, I made all the calculations, read all the emotions, and I knew this is, this is it. This is, I'm going to get another beat in here. Um, but it was that moment that I, I made a choice because up until that point, as a little kid, you know, you do, even though you know it's coming, you do whatever you can to avoid it. You know, you're going to run, you're going to hide, you're going to scream, you're going to yell, you're going to say no, you're going to plead. You know what I'm saying? You're a, child, you're, you're a little kid trying to avoid getting physically disciplined and you're going to do whatever you can to avoid that, you know, avoid that pain because obviously, you know, it's painful to get hit with a, with a belt multiple times, right? So, up until that point, that was always the routine. You know, you'd cry, you'd yell, you'd scream, you'd say whatever you could. I'm sorry. I will never do it again. Whatever it was to try to lessen the blow or lessen the beating. Right. Because that's that's what you do as a child. But at 11, I had enough. At 11 years old, after years and years and years of this, I finally had had enough. And and that was it. You know, and I, I, you know, my mother went and she would do the routine, go get me the belt. And I went, got the belt, gave it to her. I don't know what she asked me. It didn't really matter to me. I just looked at her and I just said, you're going to hit me, just hit me. And, you know, she, she hit me and she's fully expecting me to cry and yell. And I didn't. I made a choice that day that she wasn't going to take that from me anymore. That she wasn't going to intimidate me. She wasn't going to, I was not going to allow her the pleasure of seeing me hurt in that moment. And that's what I did. And she hit me again and she hit me again. And I just stood there and I looked at her and no expression, not a tear, not a whimper. I just let her hit me. And she got so frustrated that she couldn't get any emotions that she walked away. 
And that was the last time my mother ever physically disciplined me. And that's the story I shared with my son. And I can see that has you deeply in your feels. Well, it's just because I made a choice. And that's what I want to share with our listeners. I made a choice at 11 years old. In that moment, I made a choice that she wasn't going to, I wasn't going to allow her the satisfaction of seeing me emotional, to seeing me cry, to seeing me hurt. And that's why when you see us like that, you want it to stop because you don't want us to be weak. And that's why when we stand up to you or we get in your face, you have more respect for us because you know we're being strong. That's that's why you don't like when you yell and we cry or we feel a certain way. That's why when he chose to be strong that day, you had nothing but respect for him. And it's the same thing I want to share with our listeners. It's a choice. If I could make that choice at 11, you guys can make that choice. And it's not about the physical abuse or any mental abuse or anything like that. It's about you guys making a choice. You can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be a survivor. And that's what I'm asking all of you guys to do right now is to choose to make that conscious choice. And I know it's going to be hard. I know it's much easier said. And I know that firsthand. But it can be done. It can be done. And it is just a choice. And that's something I've shared with you. And I know I'm probably going to get a lot of um, a, a lot of bad comments on this, potentially. <laughs> but it's it's truly what I believe. It's something I've always shared with with you and i know you've come around to to seeing my my point of view on Man, this thing. that w- that that was the longest drive the longest turn of my life it was a u-turn and it took forever to get to the point where i could like actually respect and understand why you would say those things or expect those things but you were right everything was a choice Every single thing was a choice. And it was hard. It's hard to admit, yeah, I'm taking the easy way out again, or yeah, it's me. But the moment you can say, damn it, I keep doing this over and over, and and I got to make a different choice. Like, that's when life changes for you. And like you said, if you could do that at 11, anybody could do that. And that wasn't the first choice I had to make. Like, that was probably the, the first time I made that choice. And there was a lot of consecutive choices after that that I needed to make, you know, as I got older and, you know, found myself in other situations and predicaments, you know, again, um, inner city kid. I wasn't I wasn't a good kid by any means. You know, I was probably I probably half of those beatings I probably did deserve. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it was again, it was a choice. Everything, everything that happened. I didn't I, I can't say that I. Everything that happened was my choice. And I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. And definitely I'm not saying that, you know, uh, I know a lot of you guys have had other traumatic experiences that have been out of your hands. I'm definitely not saying that you chose to be a victim of these things. You know, those things were out of your control. I, I didn't have any control over my mother 
being emotionally dysregulated or, you know, physically uh, punishing me. I didn't have those controls, you know, whether I was a good kid or bad kid, regardless of the mistakes that I made as a child, I had no control over that. But I did have control over how I reacted to the situations. I could have easily become a victim of the abuse, but I chose to not be, to be a survivor of the abuse. And that's what I'm asking you guys to be, to make that choice, not to have a victim mentality and not to allow what happened to you dictate who you are, but to make a choice to be better, to make a choice to not allow those triggers and those traumas to define who you are. And I know it's a big ask, but I know you guys are capable. I wholeheartedly, truly believe that as well. It's taken me a long time, and I may not emotionally like it from time to time, but it is true. If we walk around with the subconscious belief that we are victims, we will never, ever heal our trauma or get to a better place. We have to walk around knowing that we survived 110% of our worst days, and that makes us a survivor, not a victim. Not, we're not casualties of our past. We're not smashed, fragmented pieces of something that used to be whole. We are still standing. But if we want to take our stance and bring our, ourselves to a new place, we have to do that with a choice that comes from strength. And that means that we can't sit here and justify our behavior and our actions because of what happened to us. Oh, my mom did this. Oh, my dad walked out. Well, I'm like that because of this, because of that. I'm like that, yes, and I'm going to work on it. And I know where it comes from and I'm going to take control of it. That's the difference. I think it's important that what we take away from this podcast and what we hope you take away from this is that you didn't have a choice then, but you have every choice now. Every decision that you make after you stop listening to this podcast and finish it, Every single decision is a choice that you get to make. Make the ones that you can be proud of, the ones that can change your life, and the ones that help you grow past things you never thought you would have. Most definitely. And, you know, if you guys are interested, we do have a healing community that we, you know, again, is full of survivors. They're all survivors in there doing their best to move forward even with everything that holds them back just like us so if you're interested there's a link in the bot in the description of the podcast join us in our community uh courtney does workshops she does book clubs we Meditations. do a zoom call there's two zooms yeah exactly so you have us if you don't have a, a strong support system to hold you accountable to give you that hard, that, you know, tough love that we all need to get through this. If you lack that, if you, if you need that, if you want that, then absolutely check out the healing community. You know, you can reach out to us. You can talk to us. You can give us our comments. Definitely. Again, if you, if you like the content we create, make sure you subscribe, make sure you download the podcast set, set it to automatic download. So you don't miss a, an episode and 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 send comments, you know, anything, support us so we can continue to do what we do. 
Absolutely. So I'll link the healing community and everything that you need to, to have in there. And like Jay said, reach out to us. Make sure when you subscribe, if you subscribe to the podcast, you download stuff, go and write us a review. Let us know what you love the most about it. Send us an email. Tell us if there's something that you want us to talk more about or sharing your story. We are a community, which means that it's all of you and us. We're in this together. Without a doubt, because there is no us without you guys. So definitely reach out, support us in any way you can. I'll leave it here. And uh, I hope you guys got a lot of information from me. I hope it inspires you. And like always, it's never too late to start a new journey. So guys, if you aren't following me already, you can find me on TikTok at ask.courtney, on Instagram at askcourtney underscore, and on YouTube at askcourtney. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, you can reach us at podcast with an S at epiphanymedia.com. We'd love to hear your stories, guys. So make sure to reach out. And as always, we're all in this together. So stay safe. Remember, there's no shame in asking for help. Till next time.